Yes, people, what's happening? And welcome to the Frankie Allen podcast. You are here with your host, Will Cranny, alongside the UK's most feared comedian, Frankie Allen, as usual. But today we've got a special guest in the building for you. We promised you we were going to bring you some special guests, guest interviews, phone-ins, stuff like that. We're trying to mix it up a little bit, you know, because the podcast has been flying. So big thanks to everyone who's been listening to or watching those. And we'd really appreciate all your support. Give us a thumb up or give us a five-star review. Get yourself subscribed if you're on YouTube. And I'm going to introduce today's guest. So today's guest is a really good mate of ours who featured actually very heavily in a lot of the vlogs when we first kicked off on YouTube and disappeared and everyone wondered where the fuck he went. And they were asking me and Frank, have you fell out? What's been going on? So it's quite clear to see that we haven't fell out because the man is in the building. Jack Ryan, how are you today? Great. Thanks for having me, mate. And uh, we haven't fell out, have we, mate? Well, we did have murder. No, <laughs> <laughs> so to anyone who doesn't know, Jack Ryan was Frankie's support comedian for a long, long time. He's made a great name for himself in the business. He's absolutely smashing it. And he went away to work on a cruise ship, which we'll talk about now, before COVID. But um, Frank, you've known Jack for a very long time, haven't you? Tell us about it. Yeah, about 10 years now. I knew his dad. Um, I've known his dad for years. Eddie, Fast Eddie is his nickname at St. Basil's Club in Witness, Huff Green. Uh, there was a tradition there of always having a good acts on, good comics, comedy nights, comedy shows. And uh, I was on there one night. I think it was on with the uh, late, great Mickey Finn. That night, legend it was legend, yeah. and uh, we had a fantastic night there. And Jack was there with his dad. He was only young then. He's only young now, but he was very young then. And we started speaking and whatever. And the rest is history, really. He got into the comedy, started off as a stand-up comic, and uh, hasn't looked back. He's doing brilliantly. He's doing fantastic now. Jack, fill us in. First time you decided to get into comedy, or how did you get into the entertainment business in general? Well, it was definitely because of my dad, but, um, you know, telling jokes on stage when I got a laugh, I loved it. So just, that's all, all I was thinking about. Right. We're going to have to, there's an elephant in the room here and I know you don't want to talk about it. Frank is dying to talk about it. Jack started off as a singer. Now, the only reason I'm mentioning that is because when you said, when you I got a laugh, that, don't you? you said, when I got a laugh, you've got to reference it for context. Okay. So basically you started off in the entertainment industry at what age? Oh, well, I was a kid, I was doing talent shows, I was singing, I was doing all shows in, like, Southport's Art Centre and, like, you know, halls and places, even that place where we, yeah, we did a show, where was it, in Ormskirk, was it the Civic Hall? Oh, okay, the Civic yeah. Hall, yeah. Used to do shows there, so I'd get up and sing, and I was alright. How old is this? Probably about 10 or something like that. Exactly, so for yeah. anyone who's listening, I mean, they might find that fascinating, so literally, because your dad was in the business for so long... Yeah. As a singer, what yeah, was he? Yeah, well, he was like a comedy singer, like a comedy vocal uh, act. And, of, and he had a band for a long time, which was like a comedy band. So once... <laughs> Why are you laughing your head off, Dad? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I was going to say something, a funny thing, but I don't think he'll say it. It was just in my mind. Come on, go, on, go for it. I was going to say, when I first met Jack, he was actually personal assistant to Rolf Harris <laughs> on the club's... <laughs> When he was 14, uh, better not say it. <laughs> right, so Jack, fill us in. So you, you start off, basically, did your dad kind of uh, push you into to performing on stage or did you just go for it? Do you know what? He didn't actually push me into it. I mean, I remember, like, this is <laughs> you're going to make you laugh, this. I remember, <laughs> I remember what, uh, the only thing he ever pushed me to do was when I was a kid, I wanted to, well, I thought, well, 
I'm not saying I thought it was funny, but I just wanted to. I was always me- messing around. So he actually me- he actually signed me up for the audition for Michael Barrymore show. <laughs> Fuck off. I don't even know about this. I mean, I haven't heard this one. This is very funny. This Is this true or are you making this up? No, I'm not making it up. <laughs> you did. And did you do it? Yeah, well, I got on and I met him that, but my bottle went to <laughs> I never made the telly. Fuck How off. do you mean your bottle went on the audition? He asked or when me to go for a swim. <laughs> he didn't. No, he never. Yeah, you, if you'd ever remember, it was the kids say the funniest things. It was a TV I show. I remember that show. Yeah, and Were the, you on there? Yeah, no, well, we never made the telly. So three kids sat on stools and Michael Barrymore. Even now, right, I watch... I watch Michael Barrymore on, 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 if I've watched it, I've come across him, you know, when you're on YouTube and videos pop up. Recommended. Yeah, and I've watched them, and he, he was a fucking brilliant comedian as well. Yeah, have you remained friends with Michael? Yeah, he keeps in touch, emails now and again. Yeah, so I never made that show, but that was the, like the first thing. And that was an audition process. Yeah. You go along, your dad says, oh, I think you'd be great on this, Jack, because you were yeah. cheeky chappy as a well, kid. Well, it's like, if you go, if, let's say these singers who think they're good enough for the X Factor and Britain's Got Talent and all that, and you have to go through five rounds of seeing producers before they actually see the star, like, which is Simon Kyle. Yeah. Well, it was a bit similar to that, so I got through all these things, and then, I can't remember, to be honest, I was about fucking five. So, that's how far back it went, so you're five years old. Well, first. I know you were five, probably about 12 or something. I wasn't. If you you're five. <laughs> the kids were really oh, young. Oh, was this the... It was little kids on that show. Any outtakes? Can you get the outtakes? I'd love to see it. <laughs> it was an audition. <laughs> so any outtakes? Just the audition. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I basically was, you know, I was pushed into that. Yeah. Yep. And I just didn't give a fuck. I was saying, you know, when I was a kid, I was run, I would run riot. Okay. Um, but and I still go and say, if I ever see my mum or my dad now, and they always tell me what I was like as a kid. You know, just a funny little. Yeah, so, that made with me. Did, I think my mum told me a story. I don't even know whether she say this to the day. She said, like, I remember I could never take it out the shops. I took you to the B&Q once and I looked round the corner and you were having a wee in one of the display toilets. <laughs> Belter. So, so what happens next? You, you you start making your foray into the world of entertainment at a very, very young age. Yeah, but uh, I'm not saying I always, uh, like, grew... Obviously, I just looked up and looked up at my dad and said yeah. I wanted to... Yeah, so I always used to go to gigs with my dad and I'd watch him. And obviously, uh, the annoying thing for me was I was never allowed in a club at night. Okay. You know, as a kid. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd, I'd always have to, like, go and see him if he was p- appearing in an afternoon and stuff like that. Uh, in clubs around Liverpool and wherever. So, yeah. And I ended up meeting your dad in St. Basil's, I think it was. St. Basil's Club of First Met. Yeah, so I knew you were... Eddie's dad, Eddie's dad, Eddie's son, and we got talking about the business. And uh, as soon as I met Jack, I knew he was uh, like myself, really invested into entertainment. It's all he spoke about. Was very kind of, uh, very interested and very kind of eager to begin his comedy career. He really was. So, and I think that's what you need. A lot of people forget these days. It's not just about standing there telling a few gags. It's all about your attitude. And um, you, you, you kind of, uh, what's the word, your ambition. Yeah. And Jack has always been very ambitious, very eager to work, um, and very confident. He's been a very confident uh, in his, and he should be, he's great. But he's, that lacks a lot of comics, don't have that confidence on stage and off stage to kind of pursue a career, but he's got it. Hundred percent, I totally agree with you. So, Jack, you were talking about your first foray into comedy is when you'd already been on stage, and you know, and I know you were midway through a performance and you'd thrown a little bit of few jokes in. Yeah, and you're getting a laugh back from that. So let me just 
let me just uh, rewind slightly. So you were actually working as a singer on the clubs from the age of what? 14, I'd say, yeah. From the age of 14, right through till... <sighs> when did I, you I start? For about eight years. Eight years. Well, so seven, seven, eight years I was, I was doing the singing and I was like telling jokes in between the songs. So as soon as I come on, you'd have to... See, this is the thing we talk, we used to talk about it all the time as well. A lot of people, it was easy to get work as a singer. Okay. A lot of singers can get work. If You know, if you said to somebody that you want to start singing, you'd get a gig on a, on a pub or a club, couldn't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you, obviously, you're either going to be rebooked if you go or whatever. But um, I'd go on and I'd, I'd have to open up with a little song and sing. Just like a swing song or something that was easy to sing. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd start telling jokes. But... I mean, I'm laughing at that, but that's how you started off in it, Frank. Well, look, I was just going to say, obviously, many years before, I started out, not as a singer initially, I started out doing impressions of people. Yeah. Cliff Richard, all those people, you know, when I was his age, kind of like, I started off when I was 19, 20. Uh, Cliff Richard, David Bellamy, all these people that were on the TV at the time, David Attenborough, all the gangsters and things, all the cowboys. I used to do a lot of those impressions. And... Uh, <laughs> Can you still do them now? Hang on, what are you laughing at? Can you do them now? Look, I'm trying to have a fucking serious conversation here. Go on. Why I didn't ruin your spiel. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm trying to say is I do agree with you, and what everybody forgets, any budding actors out there or budding comedians, singers, whatever, it doesn't matter how you start, if you start as a singer or you start as an impressionist, magician, or whatever you do, when you spend time on the stage, it's all experience. It's all very valuable. And I went into singing after I was an impressionist for a while, singer, comedian. So just like Jack, so could get more work. You could go into the club, sell yourself to do the first half an hour as comedy, second half an hour singing, because that's what they wanted in the 70s and 80s at the time. So I got loads of work singing. There was organist and drummer's accompaniment. It wasn't like... CDs as it is now, you know, back in tapes, whatever it is. So I got more work by singing. I wasn't the greatest singer in the world, but I got away with it. But it's great experience. Anybody who's on the stage doing anything at all, it's all experience. And as Jack says, you can sing a song, and if it's a good crowd, you can do a couple of gags, you can try a bit of material out yeah. and write the material down. And you go, well, that went down great tonight, that gag. When I go as on my own as a comic, I'll open up with that. So by the time Jack went out as as a stand up comic without the singing, he'd had years of experience on stage, which was invaluable. And a lot of comics who've come through the route of singing have fell back on it in a way. I mean, even Bernard Manning was a singer originally, and he used to open up with a song, do twenty minutes of material, done a song in between his act and finish off with the song. Kind of a crutch to his act, really, in case the comedy wasn't going down well. But to be fair to Jack Ryan, although he was a great singer, and it would have been really a piece of piss, dead easy for him to open up singing during his act or at the end of the beginning of his act, he's never done that. He's always started stand-up comic, walked on as a comic, and walked off as a comic, However, he went down, and that's very, very commendable. It's great. Yeah, well, I'm interested in that, Jack, because, you know, from when me and you first met, it's kind of like you haven't looked back with regards to what you've done in comedy, and you've achieved a lot in a short, very short period of time. You've been on stage for 12 years. That's why I wanted a bit of context there. Yeah. But when did you get into comedy? How did you get into comedy? 
what style of comedy do you do? Because a lot of people might not know your style of comedy is, is the style of comedy or what you have been doing the last few years that isn't necessarily in vogue, but that we all know here there's a huge demand for. Yeah. So fill us in on that. Well, I think that uh, first question is, how did I get back into comedy? Too much here. How do you end up getting into comedy in the first place? Well, I just decided one day, and I think it was sort of your dad that sort of gave me the push to do it, to be honest, because um, we used to go for coffee and we'd be talking after the weekend of what the gigs were like that weekend. And all, I couldn't shut up to your dad about how good that went down well and that gag and that routine and this and that. And in the end, it, the singing was just to get the work. Okay. And because people knew me as doing that, so, you know, and I, I still had that name. I still, I was called Jack Ryan then, you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. change, I didn't have, have an... I don't go under a different name for being a singer. So if you think if you think about it now, I wouldn't change it. It was great. It was good experience. I worked all the clubs in Liverpool, Manchester, Wales, all Yorkshire. Yeah, doing doing that because there was always work for it. But it just wasn't for me in the end. I got bored. I got sick of it. Singers now, you know, hats off to them. A lot of sing a lot of singers and bands and all that are having to carry in big, massive speakers or fire exits full of snow and ice. It's just horrible. Like, yeah. Well, if, if I can just stop you there, because I, I think I can remember this a bit better than you can. When I used to meet up with Jack, you know, kind of like on the Monday after we'd done our gags, uh, gigs, gags, gags, we did gags, gigs at the weekend. Jack always had a kind of like, uh, not a kind of, uh, wasn't upset about it, but he always used to wonder why Comics would go into a place, run in, get on stage, do 45 minutes material, leave the club, go to another club, and, you know, making twice as much money as what the singer was making. Because the singer was just arriving, had to be there all night, had to do two spots, had to set up equipment, whereas the comic always traditionally used the house PA or the singer's mic. You've had that a lot of times. You know, the comic used to borrow the singer's mic. So the comics were kind of like revered just a few years ago, probably as they are now compared to singers. They've got a lot more respect. And they used to run in, do 25, 35, 40 minutes material, then they'd run out and go to another club and they could make double, bubble, double the money. So just for context for people who might be listening to this or watching this and thinking, singer, comedy, what are you talking about? This is kind of what we would call the old school club circuit, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. And a lot of a lot of people didn't just start out and have been working the club. Like like your dad said, there was bands, then the bands had split up, then people are going on their own, then people stop becoming sing- you know, there's a few singers like your, your dad said before, Bernard Manon, boss comedian, made a big massive name for himself in, in the UK, didn't he? He started out as a singer. So I think when I become uh, and act on the clubs and working and stuff like that. Unlike they were working men's clubs and clubs and golf clubs and stuff like that, uh, holiday parks. It was I was never ever ever in my mind thinking I want to be a comedian. But I've always loved watching comedy stand up comedy stand up comedians. So when I bumped into your dad in that club, um, I think the first time I actually seen um, Frankie Allen, I didn't uh, I didn't speak to you that night. I don't think. And I no. watched the show, and um, it was packed. It would always be packed because the thing is, we were speaking about it then, wasn't we? A lot of the clubs couldn't afford a comedian. They could afford a singer or some f- clubs could afford a comedian. It was diff- It's difficult, isn't it? It's different. Yeah, as I said, I remember the first time I met Jack and uh, 
I knew he was Fast Eddie's son, who was the DJ at St. Basil's, the club that we were on, me and Mickey Finn. And uh, followed his kind of followed his career, very young, but he was great. He was a fantastic, great singer. And he made the transition to being a comic, which uh, he's done very well from. And I'm glad I was there. You know, we kind of bounced off each other, got some material going. So and, wait, uh, did, did you kind of like, Jack, tell us about this. All of a sudden, you're a singer. You decide, fuck this, I want to do comedy. Did yeah. you just delve into it and go, right, I'm going to be a comedian full time? Well, do you know what? Your, your dad, I, I was always, because my dad had done comedy years ago when I was speaking to him, I was going, what do you think of this joke? What do you think of this routine? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'd say to your dad, what do you think of this? And So you and my dad were friendly at that yeah, point? Yeah, we would always meet up like two, three times a week more often than not, and um, having coffee and talking about routines and gigs. And, you know, your dad was telling me all about experiences of what he's had in the past from working for years as a comedian. So it was your dad who said, Jack... This time next year, you need to be doing. You need to be a comedian. You're talking about it. and You want it that much. Make your mind up. It's just like, and to be honest with you, like your dad knows, and we've I've spoke about it before. You know, I had that many bloody run-ins with comedians. Like, <laughs> in what way? Well, let me just, just uh, try and explain know, this. It's diff- how, how do I explain it? On the social club scene, which has kind of obviously died out now, it's virtually finished, and uh, with what's gone on with the virus and everything, don't think it's going to ever return as it was. Um, there were a lot of rivalries between different acts, different comedians, different bands, different singers, terribly competitive. So Jack started out, he was new kid on the block. I experienced the same thing 30 years before. When you start off, you're a new kid on the block because some of the comedians who are on the circuit feel threatened that you're going to kind of steal their thunder, take work off them, really. Yeah. Um, they try and really have a go at you and Jack's a bit of a not saying he's a hothead but he sticks up for himself and he's had a few run-ins with comics thing, and they've the nearly thing, come to kind of blows haven't they Jack? The thing that makes me laugh about this whole thing is a lot of people who are listening or watching you know they see that old school social club circuit as old fashioned or old and as you said it's, it's kind of like not in vogue anymore and it's basically dying out but me and Jack are only kind of like the only young people who've ever kind of been involved in that business purely because, and you find a lot of people like that, honestly, don't you? Because it's a generational thing. Well, you know, is. you're like the fucking youngest person ever to go out as a comic Jack on that Ryan, circuit, aren't you? And I'm proud of Jack Ryan. He should be proud of himself. He's the only comic under 50 or 60. <laughs> the only comic, only comic under fucking 60, really who's had the nerve to say, I like this style of comedy, this mainstream comic yeah. comedy, which is viewed as being old now. I like it. I love it. I think it's funny. I'm going to give it to people, sell it to people, show them what it can do, and he's done it, and he's been a sensation. Look, there's a big audience out there. People love it. You know, I'm living testimony to that, that, you know, the thousands of people who come to our shows every week, you know, people love mainstream comedy. They've, been kind of brainwashed on the TV by this kind of political stuff and, you know, alternative comedy, which I don't think is funny. But Jack, as you say, is the first young person to say, look, I think the old style is brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to bring it to people in my own way, make a few adjustments, modernise it, and see how it goes. And it, it's been a sensation. It's been great. I think that, like, I was just going to say, whatever... If someone goes on stage as a mime act and doesn't say anything and it's and it's it's funny, it's comedy, isn't it? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what whether it's stuff that you see on live at the Apollo, which obviously I'll sit there some nights and I'll be thinking, what the fuck is that? 
Yeah. And then other nights I'll be watching the same show live at the Apollo, and I'll be thinking, "Fucking hell, he's brilliant." You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it, it, it comedy's it, it, even comedy's me, very subjective. It is, but it's like it's all down to personal taste, isn't it? There's so many people 100%. out there who are fans of, you know. For instance, let's say Tim Vine, who's like a one-liner comedian, he's quite clean, isn't he? And he's, it's almost like a bit cheesy. Yeah. But that's people's, a lot of people's taste. Yeah. And then other people like, love your dad. Yeah, well, and I, th- I, th- I think where Jack's been lucky, he's always had great timing, which you don't see with a lot of comics, even comics that have been working 30, 40 years, long as I have. A lot of comedians still don't have the comic timing you know to wait and to pause and to know when to deliver the punchline but jack's had that since you know day one really the word go and when we first started going through scripts together yeah i looked at his scripts and he had some good stuff so what type of stuff, stuff jack to anyone who doesn't know who you are fill them in what what style of comedy do you do well at first i was like i was telling jokes and they were clean and they were to be honest with you, when I was doing the singing and telling jokes, I used to do a lot of stuff that was too old for me. Yeah. So like I used to sit with your dad and I'd go, well, look, I can't tell, there's a boss joke there that I could I could use. And like, there's, there's something that I've, I've thought about um, moving around, changing that, doing this. And if I put that in this routine here, and then I'm saying to your dad, but I'm talking like about my wife. I haven't got a wife and we look too, too young to have a wife. Yeah. So we've got to say me bird or whatever. So a lot of that was like, the thing is, when you're driving on a motorway and you're on your own up to fucking Yorkshire and you go into a, a club with 400 people in it and it's like, you know, th- they've not come to see you. They've yeah. come to see like a, sp- a sportsman, like an, an ex-footballer from years ago or whatever. When you're doing a sportsman's dinner, dinner or, working yeah. with a, another, yeah. or another e- personality. Or, or even if like, I mean, I remember when I first started going out with Holly, my girlfriend, and, and we would, I went up to, I forget what it was now, I think it was like, Cockermouth or I don't know anyway I was on with an ABBA tribute the club was packed out with like 600 people in a club yeah. for ABBA they're not coming to see me yeah for so, an ABBA tribute yeah, act yeah for an ABBA tribute act so I'm, I'm coming on and uh, th- th- you've, you've got to like do what your dad said you, know, you stand on a chair and fight your way through it because one you get you, it's, your, it's your living you want to get you need to get paid but two you're fighting for it because you want to be a comedian and you don't want to let them you, you, you know, you if, you if you're not going down, well, it's very weird. But like I used to say to your dad, "Fucking hell, I, I was, I was." They weren't having it for 10, 15 minutes. They just didn't want to know me. They weren't laughing. They were noisy. They were chatting, and then all of a sudden, like light switch, they were mine for the rest of the show for another forty-five minutes. They were brilliant. And then sometimes it would work the other way around where you, you know, I, I've walked on stage and you go, "Ladies and gents, Jack Ryan," I get the fucking mic, and it's not on. Yeah. So you die on your arse before you've even said a word. That's not even your fault. I mean, no, this, fault. this circuit that we're talking about, it isn't like comedy club type setup where, you know, any hecklers are ejected or... There's five there's comedians on one bill and a host. You're doing 20 minutes circuit, and stuff like that. It's a very, very difficult circuit to work in every way. Well, it was, yeah. From the crowd, which a lot of places didn't like you being blue, they didn't like language. Um, a lot of them had been saturated by other comics. They had comics on every week. So you only had to do a routine that they did before. You'd lose the crowd completely. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't be with you and you'd, they'd start talking when you were on and you'd die, what you say, die on your arse. So it's been very, very difficult. But I've noticed with Jack, even over the last couple of years, uh, he's got, you know, had a very raw talent and he's improved and improved. And even now, he's improving by leaps and bounds and uh, there's no one really to touch him really as a mainstream comic. So 
let me fill everyone in on this. So basically, when I started running the Frankie Allen shows, as in my promotions company was putting on the Frankie Allen headline shows, and we were trying to make the venues better, make people have a better experience, make people have a better night, and selling all the tickets ourselves, booking a venue, selling the tickets, all the rest of it. And um, we'd do it in the following way. So we'd have a support comedian on first, then we would have Frankie on for 30 minutes. I'd host all the shows. Frankie would have an interval. Then we'd have another 30 minute break. Sorry, another 30 minutes slot from Frank. And then he'd come on and do a meet and greet at the end. But the majority of those shows, when we were kicking things off, probably about, would you say 22, Jack, I think around that, I can't remember maybe whether, 15 yeah. were all with Jack Ryan on support and obviously a lot of people have seen him on the vlogs and then thought where the fuck did you go Jack you haven't fell out have you I get loads of comments oh I used to love Jack how come you haven't fallen out with him blah 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 fill us in what happens um well should I sell you <laughs> go on Frankie starts a blocking me calls and didn't want to speak to me for a month <laughs> <laughs> go on um what happened was the workload become a lot because you were going bigger and bigger and bigger, wasn't you? So you were always up and down the country. You think one was Scunthorpe, wasn't it? One show, and then another week you'd be in Cardiff, and then whatever. So um, I was obviously having my own bookings as well. I took my own bookings in. Because I think people... So I was already getting booked, of course, but I think also being with your dad sort of give us a little bit of a boost as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, anyway... The, the thing with me going away was the cruise ship work, which was just basically, it took me away from the club circuit, which is obviously me bread and butter, and I loved it, and this I've learned how to be a comedian. But the cruise ship thing was a bit more like, you go on, you're on there for four days, you you have to fly out somewhere mad like the Caribbean. Yeah. You, you spend four days on a ship, you get to play a, a theatre. Yeah. Not a club, a theatre. 1,500 people on, on a, on a th sitting in a theatre. You, you, you're essentially unknown. Yeah, they go to see an act in that theatre every night while they're on board because that's what they pay for. So I'm getting experience on a theatre here, and I'm getting good money, and I'm going away and flying to all over the world. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I honestly it was never attractive to me. I never ever wants to do it because I thought you'd have to be like you introduced it before on to start the podcast. Uh, he went away to work on a cruise ship. It sounds like I've, I've fucked off to live on a ship. Yeah, but really, you just go on, do the show, you're on there for four nights, and then you come back home, and then you might not do another one for another two, three weeks. But so I was working that and doing the club work and doing the stuff with your dad, and you were ringing up, wasn't you? Yeah, I've booked another date. This tour, the tour's going yeah, yeah, there, yeah. and I'd be, I'd be like shit, and you end up double booking and stuff. So it was more of a case of for for the show as well. You need the same support comedian on the show every it's, show because yeah. you could book a different support comedian every show, but you, it's not you don't know what you're getting. No, nope. I mean I put a show on. Um. In lockdown on, in October, as you know, and it was in a venue in Liverpool, and I didn't know what I was going to get. I booked two comedians I've never seen before because, you know, there's nothing out, there's nothing else out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who become comedians like me, who end up swerving it, isn't it? You know, spewing it. Cause well, when you say there's nothing else out there, what you're saying is to the crowd that Frankie Allen attracts which is not a traditional comedy audience. You're not talking about, there's nothing out there with regards to comedy in general. For a comedy club audience, there's loads of lads who can go on and do open spots and headline slot, yeah. slots and, and middles and all that shit. I don't know what the fucking terms are because I'm not in that realm. But for our shows, you need someone who's got a little bit of an edge, a bit of mass appeal and can also have a bit of banter with people in the audience. 
Do you agree yeah. with that? Well, yeah. And that's why when you said to me what my style of comedy is, that's like a weird question for a comic, isn't it? Because you just say, it's like, if, if someone said, what type of comedy do you do? I'd say, like, obviously it's funny comedy. It's jokes. It's routines. I do some one-liners at the start. And I like that because that's what I, when I get on, I can jump on it and use some topical stuff at the start of it. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the uh, what's the word? This whole structure of, the, of my act is basically the same. I talk about going on holiday. I talk about being on an aeroplane. I talk about, you know, where I've worked recently and how rough that crowd was and blah, blah. But and basically, so, despite the fact that you're nestling them into different routines, at the moment, your yeah. current act, you're basically a one-liner comedian, aren't you? Yeah, and I tell jokes. And yeah. I think, like, me and you spoke about this on the phone, haven't we? And Numerous spoke, times. Yeah, and I, sp- and I spoke to your dad about it. People want to hear jokes so they can go and repeat them to the mates in the pub, don't they? Obviously, totally. any type of comedy they'd love, mm-hmm. but I just think that, like, oh, yeah, 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 do you remember that one? Like, there was there was a f- joke flying around on, you know, the way your dad, the, where your video went viral, them jokes fly around on WhatsApp, how many times your, your phone go? 100%. I mean, there's a joke that you do about the Yorkshire Ripper, Frank, and I think that's one that went viral on TikTok last week, and it's just one joke, and it's just because... The People York- clipped them and... The Yorkshire Ripper's on yeah. Netflix at the moment. Yeah. It's current. Yeah. People are, are able to relate to it. Young kids know what it is and older fellas know what it is. Yeah. So it becomes, oh, that's funny. That's repeatable. If I'm standing in a bar or standing in the fucking kitchen having a few beers with the family and my mates, I can be king of the hill by saying this joke and making everyone laugh. And that's what your act's about, isn't it? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I've had texts off people in the past who say, I've seen you in Spain working or on a ship or whatever. And they go, oh, yeah, I remember that joke you did about the, the I don't know, whatever, like shopping in, in, in Asda. And, and I, I told me mates that the other day and I had them laughing in stitches, st- stitches laughing and all that. So I even worked on a ship and it was in Antigua. Yeah. And I'm walking around and essentially I am unknown. You know what I mean? Even though I've worked for years, I've done clubs, I've done pubs, whatever, cruise ships, days, it doesn't matter. Still unknown, really. So, um, I'm in a ship, um, I'm, I'm on a ship in Antigua, and I'm walking around, and some fella goes, I think he was like from Manchester, something like that. He'd seen me work the night before. Okay. But he said, hey, you're that you're that lad off them vlogs, aren't you, with Frankie <laughs> Allen, with that bald fella, the scouse one with the nice teeth. <laughs> so, it, it's mad how everything, we spoke about this before, it's, TV, I don't even watch telly anymore. I watch YouTube and Netflix. Like mm. people are watching, people are watching other things now. Getting instead of sitting there in front of Channel Three, uh, ITV, and going, that's what you know. I what think mean? TV's at its day really. Where people don't want to watch format. What's on next? What's on next? They like to choose what they're going to watch and what they look at. So yeah. that's where we've been lucky, really. And a lot of people, a lot of young people, they've not got long concentration spans. Whereas an older person can watch. A documentary for an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah, 100%. Young people just want to see things for two or three minutes because they're so busy. I think that's why TikTok's kicked off. I think the fucking TikToks are like 10 oh, is seconds TikTok long. is taking off, is it? Yeah, it's literally, it's like the biggest social media platform at the moment. I'm not even on it. You're on the, I think you've got a profile, but we've been doing like 10, they do like 10 second clips. But as you said, attention span isn't there. So, right, you're on these ships, you're smashing it, you're going all over the world, you're making good, good money. That's one of the reasons why he fucked off, basically. <laughs> well, you've got to take your money. He's yeah. a young man. Fucking hell, who's watching you this? Know, yeah, but look, he's, he's got his girlfriend, fiance. Hypothetically. We fucking house, we're getting me bagel tonight. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to chase the money, but we all know that. Yeah. So you, you went South Pacific, you're Australia, weren't you, when the, the virus broke? 
Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. You're absolutely smashing it at that point. What the fuck happens when the virus? Where are you? Yeah, so I was I got offered this three week contract. I was in Australia to go and do three different theaters and um on these ships and basically I flew f- I think where did they go? Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Done a ship. I was in I was in Auckland in New Zealand, then I I done a week on a ship, jumped on the second ship, uh, and then a, a fly from Brisbane to Perth. I'm sat in a hotel for three nights on my own board. Don't forget, you know, everyone's might be watching this thinking, Oh yeah, that must be great and all that, but no, I'm on the phone to your dad, you, my bird, you know, my It's family. not what it seems, no. is it? You know, it's not I'm walking, sounds glamorous, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm what you know, I'm locked up in a little cabin of a night time. Okay. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm sat watching telly the same thing over and over again. There's no signal to get Netflix um, or anything like that. You don't get phone signal. I remember the first time I we went on a ship. Have you ever been on one? No, never in my life. I tell you what, I've been on a fucking ferry with Frank when we went to Ireland. That's the only time I've ever been oh, on a ship. Oh, yeah, ferry. from Stranraer to Dublin. <laughs> that yeah, was I, I can't fly. I won't fly. I'm too scared. So, I mean, I went to Tenerife after I got hypnotised. Yeah. Phil Steele hypnotised me. And I, he, I, I couldn't believe it myself. I went four hours, four and a half hours there, four and a half hours back. We went to Stranraer, drove to Scotland because Stranraer to Belfast was the shortest distance between mainland UK and Northern Ireland. And we'd done it, but I was still scared even on a boat. The funny thing. I couldn't go, yeah, no, I couldn't go on a cruise like you did. The funny thing about that, which Jack probably won't even know, and Frank will tell you about this, I am the most organised person on planet Earth, right? But when it comes to stuff like that, I'm always late, yeah? Yeah. So, like, I don't know why. So, there's been two instances over the last 12 months. How near were we to missing that ferry? You won't believe this, or you will believe it, because I'm telling you the truth. We got to Stranra, and a huge ship was there. And as we're going through, I looked up. We were the last car, last car to yeah. go on the ferry. Yeah. Literally, they were just gonna pull up, like whatever they call it, you know, the, the bow, the bridge, or the drawbridge thing. You're pulling yeah. it all up, and I just saw this car. I said, "Where's he going?" That was the last car got on, and then we hadn't even been to where you give your ticket in, yeah. and the fella just grabbed it and he just pointed towards the ship, so we just got on it, and it went, yeah. So yeah, never been on a cruise ship though, fellas in, Jack? The first time I went on one, I, um, I, it was, I flew out to the Caribbean or something like that, and you don't know but like what your phone provider covers, you know, countries and yeah. whatnot, so... I was on the phone to Holly all the time. Like, as soon as the shipper goes to sea, I was on the phone all the time. Yeah. I got back, I had an £800 phone bill. You're kidding, who paid that? Did you have to pay I it? had to pay, obviously, otherwise, me, me phone. Oh, my God. Fuck off. Supplied me with a phone anymore, would you? So, listen, I want to say to anyone who's watching this, yeah? Jack Ryan was out on a cruise ship, okay? And he came home with an £800 phone bill. <laughs> so, here's some advice to anyone who might be watching or listening to this. If you're going to phone one of these sex chat lines while you're away, <laughs> don't phone stuttering sluts. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old school classic, isn't it? Yeah. That's one of Will's old gags when he was Vinnie Allen, the comedian. And he used to go down great for him. Brilliant. <laughs> so Jack fill us in. You, you got an £800 phone, but he'll, he'll use that now. Uh, or yeah, Frank that, will use it. Let me get me pen. Um, um, yeah, so it was a bit weird at first, but obviously, you know, it's a gig like any, like any other gig. So I just, like you said to me before, and I, I do think since I started doing stand-up, it has went from strength to strength quite quickly. Yeah. And some people, like, I've had some horrible comments off people, which I don't give a fuck about, by the way. Yeah. But, like, some comedians you even packed in now from years ago saying, yeah, I'm very, <laughs> very interested in arranging a call with you. On my Facebook, 
want to know how you've went from nothing, well, starting out, to uh, getting really good work in the space of five years or whatever. Yeah, just trying to oh, pinch your brains. Yeah, yeah, because I was speaking to someone today who does ships and theatres and who does like all like the top hot- hotels in, mm-hmm. again, unknown, you know, not famous in any way or not being on telly, but making a fucking good living. Mm-hmm. And he said, Jack, people just want to try and f- get friendly with me. Other acts and people like that. And even people, it, normal people, he said, because they think I'm going to get them discounts on in a hotel or a cruise or or to get acts wanting to be dead friendly with me because they think I'm going to I'm going to give them some, like, lead them to my contact. And I think that's also what life's about, really, isn't it? I think people do expect that, well, pe- there is people out there that think that they can ride off the back of you and, like, you know. Well, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, I think you've been very gregarious in the way you've gone about your business. That's that's how you've been throughout your life. You ran a fucking entertainment agency. People might not know that when you were about 21, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Doing fucking chocolate fountains and parties and, and dance floors and all kinds. But to be fair, it's your work ethic more than anything. I think that's propelled you as quickly as you can. So what is next? We've spoken numerous times, me and you on the phone. I think that you are the only young comic in the UK right now who's essentially a one-liner comedian. And I think Frankie would add to that, that that's what you're brilliant at doing. But you're at a fork in the road, aren't you? You don't kind of know which way to go with this. So if anyone's listening, maybe you can uh, enlighten us in the comments. What What's your conundrum at the moment? Well, basically, I'm... <sighs> Being honest, all I've done all my life is look at comedians who who I like. Yeah. Not not who, who the people like or who's the most highest paid comedian in the world. I'm watching comedians who I like and I like watching comedians who stand there on a stage and work a club. And the special thing about what we do is, and I, I'm not like blowing trumpets and all that, but when I used to go and watch your dad, your dad used to get to the, if, even if he got to the venue five or ten minutes before, you know, to the venue when it before the video went viral, he didn't. He didn't know. I won't know when I turn up at a gig what the audience is going to be like. Yeah. So you're essentially going on. You've got to have a fucking thick skin to do that, like any comedian, I suppose. But you know, it's not like it's not filmed. It's not a DVD that's going out that can be edited. And I, and I think that you can sort of get away with stuff in a club, and people love watching live comedy because it's it's not. You know, there's no rules really, is there? Yeah. So. Um, so that's why I've always wa- loved getting out there. Like when I started out, I was watching your dad quite a lot and I was, I was going with him to gigs and uh, other comedians, like we mentioned, Mickey Finn, uh, who was fantastic. And I've always been, I've watched people like Bob Monkhouse and older people, Bernard Manning, and I've loved them. But at the end of the day, you know, they're no longer with us and there's a new style of There's comedy. a new generation, but thank God you're, you've kind of like picked up you know, from where a lot of the other comics who've died have left off. You're the only young comedian who's using mainstream comedy, really. I mean, personally, I just, I can't even watch these alternative comics. You know, I've been to some of these comedy clubs and a fellow comes out, you know, and says, show some love for the next act. For the next act, what does that mean? How does that relate to the clubs that we've worked in where you're going into some rough venues Imagine, you know, walking into a place in Liverpool or Manchester, the lads are all sitting there with broken noses, you know, they've been on the building all day and, and they're ready to kick off yeah. a minute's notice. Some of them are coked up and they're looking for trouble. And you come out and you go, show some love. 
Yeah, it wouldn't work. For Frankie Allen, yeah, it's it not going to work. work. I, Where does all this kind of show love cover? It's just fucking rubbish. See, well, is, yeah, but that's what you like, and that's why we just said all the way from the start, comedy subjective. It People is. like what they like. Personal taste. Look, I've got comedians that, you know, Kilvo loves this Bill Bear. I couldn't be asked watching, watching him, him. Well, it's look, not my thing no, I like a comedian tastes. called Aziz Ansari people would probably well, think you know everybody's got know. different yeah. tastes all I'm saying is a lot of the the movement to get rid of mainstream comedy has all been political and the, the, the promotion of the alternative comedy side has all been political so it's great to see someone who's going against the grain like Jack who's a young person and he's gone look this is the kind of comedy I think is funny. He's got the conviction to do it. He's got the confidence. And he's been proven, you know, he's successful doing it. So he's been vindicated, no, but that's, as I have, and so is he. I totally agree with what you're saying. You've been vindicated with your style being receptive to a, a mass audience. And what we found now, and, and I think, as you mentioned about Tim Vine and people like Gary Delaney and stuff like that, they, they've got very, very large audience from doing one-liner gags. Yeah. Which was considered traditional, old hat, not in vogue anymore. That's why I'm asking you. You said you're in a bit of a conundrum because you're not sure whether you're going to continue with that, are you? Or are you? You tell me. Right. Well, the thing is. No, I didn't know this, by the way. I know you, you mentioned something. Are you considering going over to alternative comedy? <laughs> <laughs> no, is that what you're saying? Yeah, go on. Well, just fill us in, Jack. No. What I'm saying is, I've. you know the way you're saying about alternative comedians? It's not for me now. Um, I've always had that. I've watched comedians who on comedy. I've been to comedy clubs, not that many, to be fair. You know, yep. considering I've worked in uh, doing. Being, I've done spots on comedy clubs. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Will brought the house down. <laughs> yeah, to so, Manchester on a comedy club. To me, what the his fuck? first gig on it? Well, what's that? Your first gig ever? First gig ever. Let's first talk. time on stage. Let's talk, talk, let's talk about Jack. Come on, <laughs> you can talk no, about that. We comedy clubs. That was amazing. That wasn't it. That night it was all right. Go on. Look, I've been to some comedy clubs and seen some comedians who've been fantastic. Yep. And uh, obviously that is the new way of going through the ranks and getting on telly and stuff like that. So it's very different to the working class um, club scene in it. Yep. Um, driving up to Manchester to entertain a, entertain a group of lorry drivers who don't give a fuck. Just for an example on this, that's why when I was working with your dad a lot, your dad's probably the best at handling crowds and even if they're a rough audience you can get them quickly like that yeah so um whereas some comedians you've worked with would just go to bits i've the amount of comedians i've seen put the mic down on the stage and fucking walk, walk off yeah 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 they so, can't handle any amount of heckling yeah so i'm not saying we're special we can handle any crowd it's not that what i'm yeah. that's not what i'm saying but if you're prepared to do it because it's a fucker this is the living you want to you know this is what you want to do. You've got, you're meant to be a comedian. You're funny and you know you can bring the house down most places. Yeah. Then you grow a thick skin to it. And I'd done a show the other week. Some fella rang me and I'm doing, I own a big construction firm. Can you come and entertain the lads and all that? So I went, yeah. Mm -hmm. Turned up. Um, I'm sat at the back of the room and it's your job. It's not like the comedy club thing where you, you or, a, or a gig, normal gig where they go, uh, you, you know, you're on at nine, you're on at 10, you're on at, you know, half 10. This was, they're in there getting rotten, pissed. They're all coked up. Yeah. I've got to decide when I go on. Yeah. There's no big fancy uh, introduction. No, no music, not no, like that. No one going, hey, shut up, bringing the act on now. Mm -hmm. None of that. I had to just get up, right? 
and I'm on stage and the whole audience are just rough as fuck, not listening and all that. And that's not because of me. That's because they're all rotten drunk and not wanting to know. Even if you put fucking Tom Jones on the stage or fucking Ariana Grande, yeah. they would not have shut up. Yeah. And I'm on stage and, and I, then you've got to turn to, it becomes like it's not comedy anymore. You start, you're abandoning your act and your routine. Your dad always used to say this to me, didn't you? You'd end up like abandoning your, your, your act, you'd get your material and you'd end up having to Fighting for your life. Yeah, you do crowd work. You, not only are you thinking of your money and whether you're going to get paid for this or not, but you're also thinking, hang on, this, this is my this, I'm, this is my stage persona. This is me on stage. I'm not going to let them fucking win. I'm, go, I'm good at what yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. So I'm on stage and this night I took Holly with me and she sat at the back and I always yeah. give a little drink and sat at the back and I'm getting on with what I'm doing. And this lad comes in, I'm picking on him and he just comes, I told you, didn't I? Drops his kecks, shows the whole audience his, his bits. Mm. It was a room full of fellas. Not one of them battered an eyelid. I bet you did. Hey, <laughs> hey, go on. And I'm looking at him thinking, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Uh, then he like took his kicks and bent down to me and, and all that. It's but Jack, it's it all experience. Oh yeah, great experience. So if it, no, <laughs> if it ever horrible. happens again, you ready for it? I'll well, boost him right up the arse. No, it's interesting because obviously, you know, the, the support comic that we work with now, uh, James Kilvinson, who... Jack, he's actually a good mate of yours now, isn't he? He's well, a great yeah, lad, Jack, Jack, and he's a great to comic, to be fair, so... Again, he's, he, he was not long started out before he started work, or he started out working with you, didn't he? And all of a sudden, I mean, I've seen videos of James, and I've never seen him live, and he can hand an audience, can't well, he? Well, that's exactly what I'm coming to, so our crowds, our audiences, aren't your typical comedy audience. The, get, the venue spec is actually getting better and better and better, yeah. so, you know, anyone who does come to a live show, you'll go, wow, if you walk into a Frankie uh, yeah, show I, I think what it is with our shows where we're Kilbo is successful James Kilbo he's an ex-boxer professional boxer he's a big lad mm. he's one of the lads he's very working class and Middlesbrough lad so he's kind of not, not intimidated by anyone in the crowd and anybody who does echo him he just tears into them he just he can turn on him just like I can <laughs> tell him to fuck off yeah we had a guy in Carlisle and the video went viral didn't it at one stage going viral again this went week went viral with James Kilbo a guy jumped up on the stage tried to grab him yeah what the, I can't remember what he said he said something weird didn't he I've shagged your mother I've shagged your mother yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your breath it smells end, like shit Jimmy got him and kind of like manhandled him off the stage but people are fascinated with stuff like that as though they're watching to see if there's going to be any trouble that's how my video went viral the initial one people thought it was going to be trouble so he's very good for our show because he fits in I'm not saying that you're you know you can't, you can't handle hecklers but we've got as you've just said we kind of the niche that we've got, we've cornered the market for very working class people. Oh, 100%. Well, so. that's it, yeah. I think so as well. Let's let's nip that in the bud then what we were talking about earlier. You're a one-liner comic right now. You do traditional jokes and you do it in your own way. Is that going to change due to the fact that the road to the television is not He's necessarily... He's wouldn't say, would he? ...is not necessarily that route his toe anymore. in the water. You tell me. ...of what's alternative non- comedy. What's non-committal mean? Means you won't say yes or no. I will, I'll tell you now. Go on then. Um, no, I, I like doing what I'm doing and I'm going to carry on doing that. And when we get back to work, yep. which hopefully is soon for all our, our sakes, um, because I can't handle this anymore, um, I'm, I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing. But also with this lockdown, I'm trying to think of so many new ideas of what I can do and what will work on stage. And the annoying thing about it is, for years and for hours, I used to sit there and speak to your dad about material. You're not going to know. We could write the best routine now, all three of us. 
yeah. and the best gag or one-liner and go, wow, that's fucking brilliant. But you're never going to know if it's fucking fantastic until you get on stage and try it. It's your own charisma, yeah. your personality, I'd say, your own experience, your material. It's probably 40 to 50% only about you received by the crowd. I've sat there and thought of different gags, different materials. Somebody's echoing you. You get a bigger laugh saying, fuck off, you dickhead, than saying something clever. Yeah, a million yeah. percent. So it's, it's, it's a strange thing. We, I mean, even me now, after like 40 years on the clubs, nobody really knows all the answers. We've got a very good idea. A lot of it that I think is where you're, you've been successful, and myself, and James Kilbo, and yourself, Will, when you were working as a comic, the biggest downfall a lot of comics have got is being afraid of the crowd. People, if you walk out nervous, it's like being a lion tamer. The crowds can pick it up straight away. You've got to go out as though you're dead confident, you're not frightened of the crowd, and you don't intimidate them. I mean, I've got the name of the UK's most feared comedian because I'm on them straight away, picking on them, and I don't really care when I'm on the stage who I pick on or what I say, or I don't even really care about the consequences if there is someone who gets aggressive and they kick off, it doesn't bother me. But a lot of comics go on totally in reverse to that. They go on afraid and they're afraid and they're doing a gag and, and they're scared in case, and they're thinking, is this too blue? Or is this one Is yeah. this one a sexist? Is this, this, is that? And they've got no confidence. So the crowd see through it straight away. But where Jack's lucky, uh, he's one of the only comics that go on very confident. His material is very good and his timing... Is, is excellent. So he's got a winning formula. So my advice to you, Jack, keep on doing what you're doing and I wouldn't stray from the path of mainstream comedy. Yeah, and I think the thing is now, I mean, when I did start off, I was relatively clean. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I I remember going to a club in Spain working, I'd go on and do my act. And then i come off and I, I was nearly in bits. Like I was nearly in bits with the uh, owner of the venue. In what way? Well, he, he, he was Spanish, obviously he couldn't talk, talk a fucking word English, but he was saying to me, you know, good, good, but uh, you need to be stronger, stronger, stop punches, and like that, stronger. And I was like, oh, what do you mean, stronger? Like, what yeah. you, stronger, be fucking act strong, I've been doing it for fucking years. He's going, no, no, you know, need to be a bit blue and need you to use language. And fucking, I was like, wow, no venue in the UK would say to you how to do your act. You come on, if they like you, they like you, book it again. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're not coming back. They wouldn't say, you're too clean, you're too blue, you need to do that, you need to do that. Who, are the, who the fuck are they? Yeah. But this venue, he needed a relatively adult comedian. More, that's a, what his more aggressive. Yeah, because the crowd were coming in, they were all stagging hen parties. And I was there, I was like fucking uh, 21, 22, mm-hmm. handing them grown fucking fellas from like Stoke-on-Trent and fucking Manchester coming, coming on holidays to Spain. And they're all fucking stag dudes. Fucking all, you know, the way hem parties and stag do, stag parties, they all dress up, don't they, in the same clothes? Oh, yeah, okay. Fucking think they're mad and have a laugh. And, you know, Pete, <laughs> anyway, so I was on stage and I went on the, the next day, the next night, the whole day, I was in bits over it, but it just, all I did was put a little bit, you know, you know yourself if you say, like, what was that old saying that, you know, if you drop a hammer on your toe, you don't say how, do you? you go, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. So yeah, I, just, I just threw a little swear word in there yeah. and a little bit of language there and it fucking opened the whole gag to me and then I tell the same joke, but then I put a little bit of, because it's what we speak now on the street. Well, like, I, I, I agree with you completely, but the first fucking time me. I saw you work on the clubs and the first time I was going through your material... You know, to try and help you with it. So your, your material was very good even when you first started off. It was brilliant, some of the stuff. But... 
it was very reminiscent of a comic from the 70s. It was, <laughs> no, I'm not, this, I'm not disrespecting you. I think it's fantastic. No, but you said to me, don't be afraid to use language, didn't you? I did say that, but what I'm saying is, you used, if you let me finish, you used a lot of innuendo. Now, you did a gag where you said I had a girl in the car and we were in Blackpool and I put my hand on her knee and uh, she said, you can go further if you want. So I drove to Lancaster. Yeah, now, it's a belter that. It's I a like belter gag. One. But this is kind of mildly... Uh, titillating it's not swearing it's not in heavy duty it's not talking about you know tragedies that have ha happened it's not a sick joke it's kind of as it was during the 70s but for the crowd that you were working at the time you were in Blackpool all the time you were doing a lot of social clubs at the time yeah which and hotels a and lot stuff of older people were in the crowd and you, were doing, you were doing fantastic exactly. you were doing great it was only when you kind of wanted to expand go to different places when I said, well, look, if you're going up to Newcastle, if you're doing this, you know, you said, I've got to do this, it's all male. I said, oh, Jack, don't start talking about uh, my mother-in-law's so fat. Wherever she sits in the room, she's next to you. Drop all that. You know, you've got to make it swear, accentuate the gag, and you'll find that as you swear, the bigger laugh you get yeah. with certain crowds. Do you know any gags that you do? Or even a gag that you just know that you don't necessarily do that would not work without a swear word? Well, no, you, it'll still work, but it won't have the same impact. Yeah, well, I... It's I, just like someone saying to you, someone comes up to you in the street, like today it's cold, and somebody says, oh, it's freezing. If somebody comes up and goes, fucking freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're accent accentuating Exaggerating the situation, it, yeah. and it makes more impact. Yeah. Because there's a lot behind it, there's a lot of feeling a lot of aggression there's a lot of you behind it your charisma your personality and people love that you know yeah. people love and people what i found anyway and i'm sure you find this people like identifying with someone now you're very young but i don't think the audience have ever identified you looking at you as though you're a kid i think that's part of the uh, where a lot of audience admire you they go god look at this that he's not you know he's not an old middle-aged comic but he's, he's doing traditional comic and a, a comedian a comedy and i think people love that yeah. and admire it don't you will yeah and um i think you know we've wrapped up a little bit about jack and his style as a comic is that the road that you're going to continue to go down then jack well yeah but I'm, I'm with what i do now i'm telling jokes i'm still doing like mainstream comedy like what if, if, if that's what it's called now yeah so uh i'll be i'm gonna continue doing that that's all i've ever known but as far as new material goes and stuff that's like um bit observational and stuff like that there is stuff that i think is funny that i've put together and wrote that i know that'll work okay but again like i've just said before i can't even fucking put it to the test because I've got no stage, um, none of us can work. So it's a case of, I mean, years ago, even when I was starting out, I'd be on the phone all the time to your dad and to my dad and, and you as well. I go, what do you, did you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this? And now I'm sort of like, I'm not saying I fucking feel all low about it, but I'm just like, I just can't wait to get back to work now. Well, Jack, none of us can, you know, but the situation is unprecedented. Nobody would have thought oh, that you wouldn't be yeah. working for a year. So we've just got to kind of get through it. But hopefully... You know, we'll all survive and we'll all kind of... Uh, the audiences, I think, are going to be really up for it, you know, when we go back to work. I think the clubs are going to be crowded. I think people want to see the shows. Once we get back to some kind of normal way of life, people will want to be entertained. Yeah. yeah. So, Jack, tell us what's next for you, mate, when you get back to work. Like, are you, 
are you going to be back on the clubs? Where can people find you? What's going on? Well, the, this is the thing, and I always talk to Holly about this because, you know, essentially, yes, still, even though I've done it for a long time, I'm still um, unknown. I haven't done TV or anything like that, have I? When you say unknown, right, if you are watching this or listening to, please give Jack a bit of encouragement in the comments on this. He won't do a fucking video in his life. He won't do a podcast. I mean, this is probably the first podcast that will go out to thousands of Why people that, that you've ever you been, ever done in it how come you've been a bit shy of doing well it's not shy think about it you know before the your before your video went viral you know when would you pick the camera up and start talking to the camera going yeah this is what i'm doing this week you can book tickets it's a new thing isn't it you, yeah it's, i'm not saying self-promotion is like no good because it's fucking brilliant how yeah. else are they going to find out where you are yeah but like obviously years ago you and me as well now i've relied on someone booking you putting a poster up and advertising it online and, and then they get all the money and, you know, you're just essentially going to do a show for them. Yeah. Whereas you're doing, you, your dad's doing his own tour now, you, James, and and uh, with the Frankie Allen show. So it's not like that anymore. It's your responsibility. Yeah. So you could take this show to loads of con- uh, countries, sorry, cities and places where you, your dad's quite well known and you, you and James are. And then you could go to a place where you might go, oh, well, we've only sold half the tickets here because they might not, they must not follow because they're backward and <laughs> don't have phones. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> so uh, my fear, it's not a fear, but it, as such, but I think, I can't say, oh, yes, I'm going to be on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. Come and book a cruise to see me. Nah, but I think people would be so interested in that journey. And I keep saying to Jack, if he does get back out, and obviously he's going to get back out, whether it's on cruise ships, whether it's going around social clubs, whether it's doing fucking sportsman's dinners or whatever the hell that is. He's a 26-year-old lad doing mainstream gags. People will want to follow his journey. Yeah. And, you know... Don't get don't get me wrong, Will. I would love to do TV. Yeah. Never, ever wanted to do it. Only in the last three years have I thought to myself, fucking hell, I'd love to do that. I sit in front of TV at home now and, like, I know a lot of people relate to this now because of what's going on in the world. We've got fuck all to do other than watch fucking telly and Netflix and yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is why the, the the podcast game's completely changed now, hasn't it? And this is this why this is brilliant. I've, I, said, I said to you just before we come on uh, recording the podcast that I've, I love listening to the, to the podcasts. Yeah. Even the, the previous ones you, you have done, the, the, the great, because, you know, it gives people an insight to the man behind the act. 100%. I think. So... Yeah, I think that that I I wanna. I always tell you I'll get the confidence to do it, but it's just I just cringe off. I love being on stage, and I'd have confidence to go on to fucking thousand people, two thousand more. I don't care how many people in the audience. Don't give a fuck about pe- ripping people in the audience. Only my crowd works to only like what fifteen percent, twenty percent of my act. Yeah, it's not a massive part, is it? I rely on doing me material, and hopefully they have it. And if they do, I will have a fucking boss night. Yeah. So this is like a whole new side of things, really. I'm not saying it's cringy to self-promote, but I haven't got um, the bollocks to sit in front of the camera and do, uh, you know, my own thing. But I will do. You will do, certainly. And this is probably your first foray into things. So I think, and I don't know whether you all agree, make sure you do give us a thumb up on this video. Let us know in the comments below. Should we feature Jack more regularly on this podcast? I think it's been great. It's been a good laugh. It's been a good insight for people into the comedy business, and yeah, where can people go and find you, Jack? Fill them in. Um, well, I haven't got really much on YouTube because I like to keep it minimum, really, because I like people to come and see the show live. Yeah. 
even stuff now that I'm writing and stuff that I'm putting together, like routines, that new stuff that I'm putting together for the, for when I go back to work. I'm not going to be abandoning what I used to do. Yeah, I'm still going to be doing what I used to do because I know it works. But new stuff as well. So I'm not really going to be posting on YouTube just yet, obviously, because I want to sell tickets and stuff and do shows. But I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Jack Ryan Comedian, or on Instagram, at Jack Ryan Comic. And I, uh, I'll always post about shows that are coming up there. Yeah, I do do a lot with, like, old footballers and stuff like that. I've got a show with Roy Evans when I get back to work, then that's in September, if it happens. Yeah, but, mate, there's nothing wrong with that. But, it's double bubble. You get to go and see a boss comedian. You get to go and see somebody, yeah. you know, that you might be Formal into Liverpool as well. Manager. And, look, trust me, from one of the top promoters in the game here, I'm telling you, this man is sure fire. So if anyone is watching this and you need to book a comic for your show, whether it be a wedding, whether it be a fucking, I don't know, sportsman's evening, whether you want a headline act of someone who's going to sell tickets for you. Because I'm pretty sure this guy can sell tickets now. You know, get him booked. Well, we managed to sell tickets on that show in October. We managed to sell now, obviously... It's reduced capacity in most venues now, obviously, isn't it? So yeah. I managed to sell 100 tickets on the 3rd of October. Good on you, mate. You know, and that's where it's socially distanced and we made some money for me and another two comedians and we put a fucking good show on. It was brilliant. There wasn't a thing wrong with the with the how it went. Sometimes, you, you know, we I mean, even, even when we was doing the, t- the tour with you, um, we'd turn up and the show would be brilliant and in the last 10 minutes you'd have someone kicking off in the audience because they couldn't handle the rail. Yeah. And they haven't got the attention span to carry on listening to the show. Yeah, so I was just saying, like, we used to do shows where, you know, people are get dead excited to see your dad because they've watched them online all year or whatever and they've finally, the date comes around where the show, live show is. And they'd be fine and they'd be great to respect the support comedian with, like me or whether it was uh, Jimmy O or James Kilvington. And um, and then your dad would come on and do, your dad does two uh, Sessions. sets. Yeah. And then right towards the end, even before when everyone's come off stage, there's like, you know, people who are fucking drunk who, who've got that, who haven't got the attention span to carry on listening to the show. Um, so sometimes it makes my head fall off, but it's all part of fucking comedy, isn't yeah, it? In it just. So yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to Jack. Um, tell us, Jack, for a comic right now who's not working, obviously, because yeah, you can't yeah. work, what does your fucking week look like? What are you up to this weekend? What are you doing? Well, do you know what? I meet up with your dad for coffee. We have talks because we're obviously... It's he a can't life. even go for coffee it's anymore, a, mate. No, but we was just before this, in, like, in his, you know, in, tier three. In we, tier two? No, we meet in the, in the park, don't we? Oh, yeah, meet in the park <laughs> by the swings. The park. <laughs> with your masks on. We, with our masks on. And we're socially distanced. We're six feet away from each other. I actually turn up in the park in, in a plastic tent. <laughs> um, I'm in tier five. And uh, Jack turns up with this diving helmet on and an oxygen tank, an old-fashioned diving helmet. And we don't even talk in case we transmit anything, so we just do sign language. Because we're both in the park, and I've got a tube. Uh, when I have my coffee, just pour it down the tube and I go... <laughs> just get that as the start the clip for the video when your dad does that. <laughs> so, Villas, what have you been up to, mate? What's been happening? You're not waked for how long now? Um, well, I've done the show in October, the ticket yeah. show, and then I had that bad experience of a night in uh, in in a club in Liverpool where there was murder going on because they were all rotten drunk. But that's the way it is. That doesn't make me any difference as a comedian, you know what I mean, or a person. It's just a tough night's work, really, isn't it? But uh, yeah, spent a lot of time with Holly, 
my partner, she's a, my girlfriend, she's a singer, so spends a lot of time with her. She's been out of work as well. So while she's been in one room recording and writing songs and stuff, I've been in another and I'm trying to let, work out new bits for me act and stuff like that. Done a lot of cooking. Yeah. Eat lots, eating lots, um, put weight on. You reckon just put a few stone on? I've been looking at the old vlogs to double check on that. I'm not sure. Oh, Holly looks back at them. I used to get slow, so much shit on them vlogs off my haircuts at the time. Because <laughs> what happened was, I used to have it like shaved up this side, but yeah. I'd have like a little part coming over here, like a little Leonardo DiCaprio style haircut okay. going on. And Holly used to go, that's fucking horrible, that. get a cut and all that. But I used to get some fucking... If you go on, a, there's one video on YouTube of me... Which is like a show reel to get work on on the ships and the theatres and stuff on the hotels. And next minute, this is like a random comment. Great comedian, but shocking hairdo. <laughs> really, you know, I didn't know about that. Yeah, no, but Jack, to be honest with you, no one only joking about your hair. But you've always, and one of your assets, really, I think, is Jack is very, very smart, very traditional on stage. Don't forget, you're on the stage. You're not better than people in the audience, but you're. An artist, you're an act. People revere you. They look up to you. They're watching you. You've got a rare talent that they've come to see. They pay to see you. So you should look the best that you possibly can. And Jack is a traditionalist in the way that he goes on stage with a lovely suit on and a nice... He looks very, very smart. A nice shirt or shirt and tie, bow tie, whatever. His hair is always very well done. A lot of people these days think that you can walk on stage as though... You've come to fix the fucking pipes in the kitchen with a t-shirt on. <laughs> yeah, but you're talking well, no, about Will, different... This is, hang on, this is my... horses for this, courses. Hang on a minute, son. This is my opinion. Okay. I'm expressing my opinion. And I think, and I really do, think it lends nothing to the way that you're regarded on stage if you walk on like a tramp. I think if you're very, very smart and you've got at least got a suit on and you've got a nice shirt on, I think people kind of do respect you a hell of a lot more, revere you and look up to you. And that's something that Jack has brought to a younger generation. I think it's great. Well, the way he says it's traditional and it's not like I wear a costume. You don't wear a costume. You just dress in a smart suit. If you see anyone on telly or if they got, you wouldn't see someone walk on in a pair of jeans... Comedy club style and like a live show. Where were you fucking once? What you comfy in? You know what I mean? That's my view. Your dad said is, and you know, wearing a suit or something smart like a shirt is, you know, you're, you're a performer. John Bishop, Michael McIntyre. Yeah, they all wear. Yeah, yeah but for some reason that's great on the TV. You still see some of them on the TV as though they've walked on and they walk on. I can't get my head round it myself. It really. Puzzles me. You can walk on live at the Apollo, millions of people watching their own, <laughs> yeah. and you could go straight into the fucking kitchen and fix the washing machine in the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, but wait there, I was editing the Blackpool vlog last night. You go on in a full Nike trackie. Yeah, at the end. Of the, hang, one second, Will. Yeah, I've never heard, on, yeah. Will. Don't try to ruin what I've just said. Yeah. I go on in a suit in the first half. Yeah. I go on... In the second half, because I've established the character which I am, and just like somebody like, you know, kind of uh, Sasha Baron von Cohen, the, the character he had when he wore the suit. Ali G. Yeah, Ali G. It's similar to that. I'm going on as a kind of Ali G character, wearing the tracksuit, and people go, fucking hell, yeah. You know, that's his, that's his character. But I do go on in a, in a, in a, in a new £1,000 suit, Will, when I first walk out on stage. Fair play, Jack. Ali G, would you ever go on stage in an Ali G costume? Yeah, I think it'd be funny. With a little fucking yellow cap on. Well, I wouldn't wear the yellow cap, 
But I'd like to go on, you know, like with a big gold chain and things. Exaggerate your character. You know what they Funny. say about Ali G, don't they? What? They say all, all the girls like his tash because his name reminds them of a terrible rash. Allergy. Ah. Oh. <laughs> well, look, to wrap things... Cut that bit out, mate. Cut that bit out. To wrap things up, um, really enjoyed having Jack on today. How have you found it, mate? Great. Um, well... Do you know, it's just like having a normal chat. I always worry about when these recordings or podcasts go out, um, or if I'm featured on anything, you don't want to come across like you're trying hard. You don't want to come across false or fake or like you think you're fucking br- brilliant. This is just being like me, just like we normally are, having a gab in a coffee shop, hasn't it? It's yeah. been great. It hasn't been kind of orchestrated or stilted. Or script. Or kind of staged. It's been brilliant. And we've just chatted and about that. And we've all got different opinions, don't forget. But I think... Uh, I think we're all agreed that uh, Jack Ryan bringing something really marvellous, fantastic to the table of comedy. Great. My personal opinion, this guy has got his own style, which is traditional British comedy. One-liners, as anyone would know them in modern day. And uh, he's got his formula, and it works really well for him. So if you like that style of comedy, go follow his pages. Jack Ryan Comic, get him on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. We're going to bring him on for future podcasts. So if you have enjoyed this video today, please do give it a thumb up. Get yourself subscribed to the channel. We are almost at 11,000 subscribers. Can't thank you all enough. If you're on Apple Podcasts, five-star review would be greatly appreciated. We're going to read some of your reviews out in future. So make sure you get yourself on there. Massive thank you to everyone who's tuned in today. Jack, have you got any parting words for anyone? No, it's, for me, for today, I mean, obviously we're all looking at things to do because we're sat around the house board with nothing else to do. Speak to each other on the phone and all that, but it's like we've had a good gab about the business, so I feel like I've, you know, feel like I'm a comedian again. <laughs> but we haven't, we haven't spoke about, you know, the, the big C word, have we? Or, you know, we've t- took our mind off. It's been nice. Well, look, yeah. we're just kind of, it's, it, we're in information overload, aren't we, with the TV and the radio and the newspaper, everything, the whole media about uh, the virus. So it's great, it's refreshing to talk about something else. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll see you with Jack again. For now, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you on Thursday. Enjoy your week and look after yourselves. We'll see you Thursday. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Take care.